Thank you for tuning in to another episode of One More Story. Parents, if you would like to skip ahead to the first story, you can find it at the 15 minute 30 second mark. And if you are enjoying the show and you want to be a part of it, we want to hear from you. We want word suggestions for the word prompts for our stories. So please reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, One More Story Podcast, or you can email us at One More Story Podcast at iCloud.com. We will use your words in the show, give you a shout out, and it might be fun. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's episode. Welcome to One More Story. My guest tonight is Bria Grant, a writer, director, actor, author, and podcaster herself. Bria, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for carving out some time for this. Judging by your body of work, you don't seem to have much to spare. That's, I think, no, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a little busy this week, but there are some weeks where, you know, I think like anyone, I'm, I'm, I'm just relaxing, you know. I didn't know that you also did graphic novels. That was something I learned in my research. Oh, wow. I'm curious. Yes, I did. I did my homework. Good. Thank you. You're, you're very, you <laughs> well, well, no, you're, you're very hardworking. You're not just lucky. <laughs> um, is that a pun? Because I wrote a movie called Lucky. It is. Okay. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Oh, and thanks. it was, I couldn't predict. I had no idea. I was trying to figure because that's what I do as a writer. I'm always like trying to stay one step ahead of the story, figure out where it's going. And every time I was completely wrong. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my husband always says he hates watching TV with me for that reason. I'm always like, oh, she's going to be the bad guy. And he's like, what? How do you know? And I'm like, oh, it's the way they shot it and the way they set up this part. And he, he really hates it. But I'm glad you couldn't predict it, I guess. I guess. I love a movie with a strong theme. And that definitely had a, a strong theme. It was just I didn't know where it was going. And you really you really threw me with with the sister-in-law character when they show her scar. Mm. Because I don't know why it had me thinking it was some supernatural like shapeshifter. Like, I don't know if anybody's ever thought that, but I thought that was the scar from the attacker. And somehow. Oh, interesting. Like she gave she gave her that scar or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Listen, the problem with me and Natasha is there's no one. Natasha Kermani directed that movie and she did an yeah. amazing job. But the problem is, is there's no one to tell us, like, this is too weird. Like, we'll just keep going. Like, you know, and I think the two of us together, you know, in the script, it was that these women, all the women have experienced something like this at some point in time. That was like the idea. Right. But we don't. And this is something I appreciate about, appreciate about Natasha is that neither of us feel the need to over explain things. I like that. Yeah. I mean, having come out of the Benson and Moorhead school of filmmaking, I very much appreciate those types of movies where you're not spoon fed things. There are no easy answers. I'm sure that does frustrate some film audiences, but I like it. And I think at the very least, you got to appreciate big swings with art. Yeah. And I think especially, I mean, don't allow me to repeat what everyone is saying about the current indie film system. And it's just so boring, but it, it's it's saturated. There's a lot of stuff out there for people to watch. And uh, I think if you're going to make something, you may as well, why would you do something 
that just kind of falls in line with everything that everyone's already seen, you know? Right. Have you seen Men? You know, it's so weird. I haven't. And people have told me I need to see it. I think Natasha and I both haven't seen it. Like, it came out after we made Lucky, obviously. So, and people were like, oh, you should watch Men. And we haven't watched it. We keep trying to plan a night to watch it. I have adopted this weird quiet talk on this podcast for some no, reason, and I don't normally speak like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's perfect. Like, I'm You're quite loud. I'm very loud. And <laughs> my husband's always like, I can, you don't have to, they don't have to be able to hear you where they are. You have like, you're on the internet. Like, <laughs> like you think, like I'm yelling as if I'm like trying to talk to the next house over. <laughs> do, do you have a background in theater? You're trying to hit the back row? No, I don't have a background in theater. I, well, tell us I'm i from bit. Texas. I'm from Texas. So we just speak loudly, you know? <laughs> you started as an actor, correct? Mm -hmm. So what was your first, was Friday Night Lights your first? My first big thing, yeah, was Friday Night Lights, yeah. Although I was in um, Vidiots the other day and I saw a movie that I was in and I was with one of my friends and I'm like, I'm in this movie. I did this before Friday Night Lights and it was, it was a movie called The Middle of Nowhere. No one saw this movie, but it had Anton Yelchin in it. It was, and it had um, Eva Eva Murray, Eva Murray. Um, anyway, Susan Sarandon. It doesn't matter. Uh, but yes, Friday Night Lights was the thing that like went from you know how it is. I was waiting tables. I got Friday Night Lights. I went from waiting tables to people. I was still waiting tables. It was during the writer's strike. I went back to waiting tables, and you know, it went from I had done nothing to people walking in and being like, "Are you a Friday?" lights right now <laughs> like that like kind of changed my life and then the casting directors who watched that show which was like all of them started calling me in but yeah that was the one that sort of like changed everything for me and then transitioning now into writing directing what was that transition like what kind of pushed you into that direction well graphic novels was the first thing i did actually i was on heroes after friday night lights the schedule on heroes was like weirdly grueling but also boring so it was like i was like a minor character but i was on 17 episodes so i was like i we would take two weeks to shoot an episode and i would have like one to two days but i'd be on hold the rest of the time i wasn't allowed to do anything else i, I had to tell them if i was traveling I, you know i was like working in theory but right. it wasn't which is honestly the greatest job i could have ever had in my entire life and i wish <laughs> i wish i'd appreciated it a little bit more because it was just like i had actor on hold like they can call me in but they never will so i read a lot of comic books with and my brother did too and i was like what if we pitched a comic book like i'm on a tv show right now maybe people would listen to my pitch so we wrote our we pitched and wrote our first one back when i was still on the show so that was my first taste of like oh maybe i can do something outside of acting and then I kept writing comic books while I was acting. And then I ended up directing a movie movie a few years later that came out in 2013. So my first movie I directed in 2012. I don't gotcha. know. What's time? What are you more drawn to? I mean, do you always want to continue acting? Because I know when we caught up on the picket lines a few weeks ago, you were saying how you weren't as interested in acting in a particular film that you were talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I mean, because I, I cause, you know, I started as an actor myself. I know. I still do a little bit of it. And I don't know. I don't think I'll ever shut the door on it. But for me, the grind of acting, the, the grind of the audition process and everything behind it, I didn't enjoy it as much as or I couldn't tolerate it as much as I could tolerate the grind of writing or the grind of mm. directing. Um, because mm. for me, it's. 
it, it felt it's, there's an ownership quality to it. I don't know if that's a, the same thing for you or where do you stand as far as the difference or how you feel about writing versus directing and acting and all of it. And, you know, they all kind of inform each other. But during the pandemic, pre-pandemic 2020, I did shoot a movie called The Stylist. It's an incredible movie. Everyone should go watch The Stylist. It's so good. Jill Six directed. It's just, I think, a fabulous movie. And then the pandemic started and I was still getting auditions. I don't know if you still get auditions or if you were still have an agent that's sending you out for stuff, but I was getting auditions. Commercials, yeah. Uh, okay. And I was like, no, like, <laughs> no, yeah, I don't want to. And also I think, I mean, I think like a lot of people, I stepped back and I was like, okay, you know, in 2019, I got to shoot Lucky, which was a movie I wrote and I starred in. And then I got to shoot um, 12 Hour Shift, which, which is a movie I wrote and directed. And I was like, you know, I think I'm just so much happier not acting. And it wasn't the auditions specifically. And I, I distinctly remember early in my career, people saying what you said, like, oh, I, I hate auditioning. I loved it. I loved auditioning. I loved going in, taking on something for a day. I mean, you've met me. I love, I want to, I want, I want strangers to like me. Like, I'm like, it was like very a people pleasing era of my life. Same, yeah. And then I was, I was kind of like, oh, you know what? I care a lot less about strangers liking me and more about like just focusing on what I want to say and, and making art and hanging out with my friends and yeah. And having a lot more control. So, um, I dropped my acting team in the, in the pandemic and um, said no to auditions. So I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not, there's not, I mean, I'm, the moment I say, like, I'm never going back is the moment I'm sure someone will offer me something I want to do. But yeah, right now I've just, you know, I just feel like the world was telling me move in this direction and I was much happier in that direction. And that made it so much easier to just not do the acting anymore. Right. No, I get that. So with all the stuff you do, how do you balance your life? And how do you find time for things and how do you wind down how do you shut your brain down at night and get yourself to sleep oh i love this i'm okay this is going to be a big shocker probably for a lot of people but i sleep 8 to 10 hours every night oh that's amazing I'm, i am i'm so envious i am in bed like and anyone who knows me I feel like, especially because I feel, well, maybe not always, but for the longest, like the characters I would play would be a bit more like spunky and like uh, a little bit more, <laughs> a lot wilder than I am as a person. Like me as a person, I'm very boring. I'm not that fun. Um, <laughs> so I am in bed and on, sh oh God, during a shoot, you know, everyone's like, we're going out to get a drink. And I'm like, um, it's 9 p.m. <laughs> I've got to go to sleep. Like yeah. I'm just not fun, which makes the wind down pretty easy. I've always been a tired person. In slumber parties when I was a kid, I was first asleep. Like, you know, I was a dork. I'm a, I'm a dork. So, yeah, I'm busy. But then I kind of like, I feel like I sort of just turn off like a, like a machine uh, most of the time at night. Like, just wind down pretty quickly. But um, my husband is in music and he keeps really strict hours, which is great because a lot of people in music do not. And he... Yeah, that's odd. It is. It's a decision he had to make early in his career. And he sticks to it and it's very nice. He works from 10 to 8 every single day, almost 365 days a year. I make him take off for some holidays and then when we go on trips. But yeah, he works long hours, but he is done by eight every day. So we wind down together. We, you know, I make dinner usually or 
order something because we live in the beautiful city of Los Angeles where uh, you can get any kind of food you want delivered straight to your door. It's so amazing. And we talk and hang out. And I used to, before my dog passed about a month ago, um, we, I would always take the dog on kind of a long walk especially when she was younger and more up for it. Uh, then we like watch a show, you know, we always have a few shows that fit into the Venn diagram that is our tastes, um, which is... What, what, so what's the current, <laughs> what are, what's in the current rotation? It's, it's hard guess. because I'm like sci-fi horror and he is like true crime, prestige, and then like some weird stuff that I don't know why he watches. Politics, he loves politics. So we're actually watching Dead Ringers right now, which is great because he also loves old horror and that's kind of a remake. It is a remake. We were, what else were we watching? I mean, like shows like Succession, those are great for us. Oh my God. I I was so bummed when it, I just wanted more. Like I couldn't get enough of it. That was a good one. Beef is a good one for both of us. Um, I I have not, I've not checked that one out yet. I need to. It's really good. And then we watched this comedy called The Other Two, which I feel like is strictly made for people who live I, in Los Angeles. Wait, is that with like the three siblings? Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen it's it's hilarious. It's gotten so meta that I'm like, who's watching this? It's like this is like for like 50 <laughs> people. It's the most it's such a raising show. Oh, and The Righteous Gemstones, which you just had uh, someone from that. We watched that one, too. Cassie. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, it's such a great show. It's so funny. So we watch a show and then um, I'm a big reader and I read till I fall asleep every night. And books are both like something I love and take a lot of joy in. I do a full podcast about books, but they also are like basically um, it's like taking NyQuil for me. Like I just start reading and I fall asleep like pretty soon (laughs) afterwards. And then so the the podcast is called Reading Glasses. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. And that is available on all podcasting platforms. Everywhere, every week. And we talk about everything from, you don't have to read a book to listen to the podcast. That's kind of the goal. So we talk about everything from like new book genres to like, we do reviews of like book lights to um, answering questions. We just had a question where someone is moving in with a polyamorous couple. They are in a polyamorous couple and they're trying to decide how to how to organize their books if they have multiple copies. <laughs> so they're in a, a quad of four. Oh and uh, they're like, how do we organize these books? You know, we have multiple copies. Do we put them in the living room? And, you know, th- that's a that's kind of a that that's a little bit of an out there question for us. But we, we do all sorts of questions. That is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine trying to go into sleep in that house. That would be I I know. I I imagine it's a little noisy and, uh, you know, you would have to agree to some strict hours, right, to all get along. Yeah, probably so. That's true. (laughs) Um, But I get up quite early, too, I think, for a person with no children. So I think there's like the the evening routine helps me with the morning routine. No, you got to set yourself up for success. I do my breast work at like (laughs) 8 a.m. It's very depressing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm 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 usually better in the mornings. Are are you a napper or are you do you go straight through the day? I go straight through the day, but I wish I was a napper. I don't feel like I have time for a nap most days. Like I feel like I'm running around doing stuff most days. But ooh, when I can get a nap in, what a dream. That's such a when you like lay down and you can actually sleep. I feel like my mind is buzzing too much all day to me to actually nap. Are you ready to to dive into this? Yes, I think so. The first word is Viking. Once upon a time, there was a young Viking boy named 
Sven. And Sven was a a very small Viking, you know, and most of the Vikings are very large. They're strong men. They wield axes and swords and they wear these big helmets with horns and they wear these these wonderful capes with furs and they go out and they they do all the Viking stuff. And most of that is not appropriate for a children's story. But they would have these contests of strength in downtimes when when the Vikings were not at war with other Vikings. And Sven would always come in last in these these strength contests. And it was really demoralizing for him. He had four brothers and three sisters, and they were all stronger than he was. They could throw the axe farther. They could twirl a sword faster. They could swim farther. He was just coming up short in all of these contests that they would have. And and every summer on the summer solstice, they would have basically like a Viking Olympics. And leading up to that, Sven was determined to win at least one event, even though he wasn't the biggest Viking in the tribe or in the group or in the clan, whatever the Vikings called themselves. He was determined to win one event. And so one day he approached the Viking elder named Olaf, and he asked Olaf to train him. Olaf looked at him and looked, Sven is a very small, small little Viking. <laughs> and Olaf, you know, at first, like, I, what would I train you to do? You're minuscule. You have no upper arm strength whatsoever. One of your siblings, sure, yeah, I could train him, but train them. But uh, you, no, I don't think so. So Sven was like, please, I'll do anything, any, anything to get you to train me. And Olaf was like, okay, fine. You know, I'll train you, but only if you go and there's this, there's a gem I've had my eyes on, a very special gem, but it's at the very, very top of this mountain. So in order to get to this gem, you're going to have to swim across this big river. You're going to have to climb this mountain in the cold, and you have to go deep into this cave to get this gem for me. It's one I've been thinking about for a long time. And if you bring me back that gem, I will train you. So Sven is like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because this is the only way I'm going to win these these Summer Olympics. So he goes off on his own, heads towards this mountain. And first he arrives at this giant river, and the river's like crazy. It's full of um, electric eels. The waves are just going all over the place. And Sven's really smart. And... Uh, at first was like, maybe I'll make a, I'm going to make a raft. And so he builds this raft. But what he forgot about is not only their electric eels, there are also piranhas in this water. And he gets in the water and these piranhas start to come up. And he's like, oh no, I'm, I have no choice. I'm going to have to swim across the water. And he does. And he swims as fast as he can. And he eventually makes it. He makes it to the other side of the river. And at the other side of the river, he looked up towards the top of the mountain. And as he was looking up, dark clouds started to move in and the temperature dropped a good 20 degrees and he had just come out of the water and it wasn't warm water these were actually very rare cold water piranhas that thrived in scandinavia that a lot of people don't know about but they're there so he was shivering and he knew that he wasn't going to make it up to the top of the mountain that day he knew he needed shelter for the night so He went on a walk along the shore and he came upon a hut. And it was a fairly primitive hut, 
made of earth and clay and straw, but there was smoke coming out of it. And so it was a a sophisticated enough hut where you could have a, a fire inside and not burn the whole thing down. And so he felt like this might be a good option. Maybe whoever lives in this hut could help me get warm for the night, help get me fed so that tomorrow morning I can continue my journey on to find this gem for Olaf. So he approached the door of the hut and he was nervous. He, he took a deep breath because he didn't know who he was going to find on the other side of this door, whether they were going to be friendly or not, but he didn't really have any options at this point. He knocked on the door and the door slowly creaked open. And on the other side of that door was a little girl named Tiffany, which she was like, that's an odd name for this region, but uh, sure, Tiffany. And Tiffany invited him in. And he was cold, as you remember, freezing. So she immediately said, you know, would you like some tea? The number one thing that will warm you up when you're cold. It's always what you should have when you're cold. And also, maybe not as a a drink of this region. So he didn't know what that was. And she was like, oh, you put leaves and water in hot water. And he was very impressed by that and felt a lot warmer. And she gave him some nice, warm, animal-based clothing (laughs) to to wear. He started feeling a lot better and he was like what are you doing here you live at the base of this giant mountain you know on the other side of the eel and piranha river what are you doing here and she said oh you know one time i really wanted a favor from this man named olaf and he sent me this way and i got here and i crossed the river you know i was supposed to go get this gem and you know all this is ringing true to sven you know, I, I crossed the river and it was scary, but I got here and then I looked up and I said, you know, that mountain is very big. I just don't know if I can make it. So I ended up living in this hut, in this earthen hut, which is a really nice home. I mean, it's cozy, it's warm. I don't have to worry about much. And, you know, I never did get my favor from Olaf, but I'm happy here. I'm happy here on this uh, in this little hut. And Sven was like, "What? Is, what was the favor that you wanted?" And and Tiffany said she had always wanted to have a little bit of magic. She wanted to be slightly magical. Yeah, there's magic in this world. Spoiler. She always wanted to be able to levitate just a little bit. And Olaf was going to help her, but she had to go get this gem, and she ended up giving up and just hanging out in this hut instead. And of course, Sven, Sven is like. Um, I'm going on this same adventure. Maybe you could come with me. We could go together. And Tiffany's like, oh, that sounds very scary. I'm not sure I can make it. I, I, I feel like much more comfortable in this earthen hut that I've made. I cook an eel for dinner every night. I melt some snow and drink that. I'm, I'm living a pretty great life. And he tells her to think about it. Wait till tomorrow and see how things go. Maybe she could come with him. Or maybe he'll stay here, you know? Maybe this is a pretty nice life. So he goes to sleep in this warm, nice hut and um, wakes up the next morning and, it, and it's beautiful and it's gotten a little bit warmer. And Tiffany makes him a really nice breakfast eel, little eel schmear on toast. And he washes it down with some tea and he looks at her and she looks at him and he says, well, I'm off to retrieve Olaf's gem. Would you like to come with me? And she sighed, and she took a sip of her tea and a little bite of eel. And she said, you know what, Sven, I think I'm happy here, but 
If you get into any trouble on your journey, you know where to find me and I'll be here to help you. He said, okay, you sure? And she said, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. So Sven set out towards the mountain and he climbed and he climbed. And boy, this was a steep mountain, but luckily he was small. And for as small as he was, he had pretty decent strength. He was he was spry. He wasn't like a, a little weakling. He was just a, a smaller Viking than the standard Viking. So he was able to kind of scramble up these rock faces pretty fluidly. And he would stop. He'd take some breaks. And it was starting to get dark, and he was close to the top of the mountain. And he climbed and climbed. He got towards the top, and he saw a very small Sven-sized opening in the mountain. No other Viking could have ever gotten in that. And then he thought, oh, that's Olaf's deal is he tries to convince these little Vikings to go get this gem for him because none of these other Vikings can do this. And then he thought about Tiffany and he thought about her happy life she has just here hanging out by the mountain, eating eel and just drinking tea it all sort of dawned on him that Olaf was just kind of using him for this gem. And he was like, I don't really think this dude's going to train me. And if Tiffany had found the gem, he was like, I don't really think he would have helped her levitate. Like, he just sort of got suspicious of this whole thing. And he's like, I'm just doing this old man's bidding. But he still wanted to see the gem. He wanted to see it for himself. So he kept climbing, he kept climbing, and he got up. And he peeked inside this crevasse. And from within the crevasse, it was glowing. It was this glowing green, this emerald. And he thought, wow, this is amazing. This is the most beautiful gem I've ever seen. And boy, Olaf is sure going to be disappointed when I don't bring it back and decide to spend the rest of my days with my new friend, Tiffany. And so that's what he did. He climbed back down that mountain and he knocked on our door again with no gem in hand and she had a hot cup of tea waiting for him and some fresh eels right out of the eel and piranha river and they had a wonderful meal and it was the first of many because they lived happily ever after the end bria grant are you ready for your solo story okay the word is game So there was once a little girl, her name was Tiffany, and she loved playing games, any sort of game. Someone would say, hey, you want to play hopscotch? She is like, yes. Someone said, you want to play dodgeball? She loved that. Board games, she was also into those. She loved the old ones, you know? Clue, there was one from the 80s she loved called Mall Madness, which I won't get into what that was about, but it involves shopping. Uno, Uno was probably her favorite game. That's a card game. And um, it wasn't that complicated, and it had a lot to do with luck. Tiffany was very lucky. And that was what she liked about games, is that she had a lot of skills. Like, she was pretty athletic. She could run pretty fast. But really, she thought of herself as, as very lucky. She was at school one day, and her teacher told them that they were going to play a game. A new kind of game. And this game was to see who was the luckiest which, what kind of school is she going to? I'm not really sure, but because this was a weird request, right? The school was, a, it was for, it was for gifted kids, but 
the teachers were extraordinary and they were looking for extraordinary students. So they said, today we are going to see who is lucky. And Tiffany, we know you think you're a lucky girl. So we want everyone to go outside and the game is who can find the first four leaf clover. And so Tiffany is excited. You know, she loves games. She thinks she's very lucky. This is all very up her alley. She's set up for success here. So the teacher says, on your mark, get set, go. And Tiffany, and there's about 15 kids in the class, they all run outside and they're very excited. But unfortunately, they walk run outside and the first thing they realize is that it's the middle of summer and there there are no clovers. There's no clover at all outside. The grass is kind of dead. There's a place where you can jump in the sand. There's dirt. There's a, a gravel parking lot, but there's no no clover. So Tiffany was like, what What are we supposed to do? And some of the other kids said, Tiffany, you know, what do we do? We, we're not going to be able to find a clover. You know, none of us are going to be successful. This game is too hard. And Tiffany was like, you know, this game is too hard. But then she remembered that not too far away, there was a place that might, there might be a four-leaf clover. There was a, a nice big garden, public garden, big park. So Tiffany, she grabbed her two best friends. And their names were Sam and Silas. Sam was a girl, short for Samantha. Sam, Silas, and Tiffany, they decide they're going to go to this garden because they have to win this game. They have to be the luckiest kids in the class. So they set off on this trip to the garden, and they know that it's across town, kind of far. They're not supposed to go anywhere without parental permission, but the teacher said it was okay. So, so they went. Um, and they make their way to this giant garden. And the garden is kind of extraordinary. The garden, it has a giant waterfall. It's got like a river running through it. It is this beautiful place. It is, uh, some of it is Japanese themed. Some of it is like an arid desert. It's just this giant place with all sorts of different elements from around the world. And they're like, we know there must be a four leaf clover here somewhere. So they have to think, like, where, if this has something from everywhere in the world, you know, there's like a desert, there's, um, like I said, a river, there's all sorts of places. Where would we find a clover in all of this? What parts of the world have clovers? And they really had to think about it, which I'm doing right now. And they thought, you know, what about Ireland? Maybe there's a section of this garden that is themed like Ireland, because that is where you find four-leaf clovers, because they love luck in Ireland. So they used a map and they found where the the section of the garden that looked like Ireland was and they arrived there and wow, let me tell you, it was a sight to see. It was beautiful rolling hills. It was somehow a view of the ocean. This was a very special place. And they looked around and they said, oh, there are, there is clover here. They found a bunch of clover and they start looking, like counting the clover. Which one is four leaves? This one has three. This one has five, you know. None of them have four leaves, which is what they need. Tiffany is wandering through when suddenly her friend Silas calls out and he says, I think I found it. I found a four-leaf clover. He holds it above his head. And Tiffany is like, at first, you know, a little worried. You know, she thought she would find it, but it's her friend. So she's happy for him. And the moment he picks it, a leprechaun appears out of nowhere. And the leprechaun, they love four-leaf clovers and they love luck. That's their, their big thing. They have a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's not really relevant to what's happening here. But the leprechaun appears and says, Silas, you found this. I'm going to give you even more luck. Who do you want to share it with? And he says, Tiffany, and also Sam, which was very sweet. And not only that, but he said, 
I'm going to send you back to your school. You don't have to walk across the city again. I'm going to magically send you back to your school with lots of luck. And so he did. And they arrived back and the three of them shared. And Silas said, you know, thank you, Tiffany, for taking me on that adventure. And Tiffany said, thank you for sharing your four-leaf clover with me. Because at the end of the day, friendship is the most important. The end. The end.